Welcome to Teaching Through the Bible with Dr. Ken Sullivan. As a veteran senior pastor, Dr. Sullivan understands the importance of Bible teaching in the spiritual growth and development of God's people. Dr. Sullivan's method of teaching the Bible is to read and carefully explain each chapter and verse in clear and understandable terms so the student of the Bible gains the full understanding of God's Word. Now prepare yourself to learn and grow as Dr. Sullivan teaches through the Bible. Well, hello, and welcome to another session of Teaching Through the Bible. I'm Dr. Kenneth Sullivan. Well, today, in this session, we're going to begin studying the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. So let's jump right in and get started. Uh, We want to start with a little background. Let's do a brief survey uh, of the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul, probably around 60 to 63 AD. Now, Paul wrote this book to build up the faith of those who wanted to grow in their Christian faith and in their Christian walk. He taught the disciplines needed for spiritual growth and development. And then Paul teaches us about uh, the standing, our standing as Christians in the body of Christ and uh, the importance uh, of our existence in the body of Christ. He deals with the subject, uh, also a spiritual warfare and the the mighty power that we have to engage in spiritual warfare and, and overcome the, uh, the forces of darkness. He also deals with uh, the mystery that was revealed through the, through the scriptures, through the gospel and through the apostles. That is that the Gentiles would be fellow heirs with the Jews and that God would, would make of these two people, one new group of people, the body of Christ. And, uh, uh, so Paul is just ministering some very uh, important information concerning doctrine, concerning how we are to live our Christian lives in this great book. There's a lot to unpack. So let's get right into it. I'm reading verses one through three. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So Paul opens his letter with the customary acknowledgement of his own apostleship. Um, I've told you in other in other books and in other studies that uh, the Judaizers and, and, and there were some others who were challenging Paul's apostleship. There were those who were claiming that he was not a true apostle. Uh, because he didn't uh, walk with Jesus as did the other apostles and that he came along later uh, in life. Uh, And so Paul finds himself defending his apostleship. And so he opens his letters uh, by declaring himself an apostle of Jesus Christ, of course, which he is. Now, Paul mentions the fact that the people of God collectively are tremendously blessed. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm, um, just because we belong to Christ. As as uh, God's people, as the children of God, we are blessed with uh, many, many spiritual blessings. And, and uh, we are blessed in heaven, and we are blessed here on earth. And, and our, our spiritual blessings, uh, the blessings in, in the heavenly realm, spill over into this earthly realm. And uh, people can look at our lives and see the blessings that come to us just by being attached to Christ. God's favor and blessing can be seen in in the lives of those 
who love him and 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 serve him. So I encourage you to stop as a Christian to just stop and make a list of of some of the blessings that uh, accrue to you just because you're Christians, things that that are in your life just because of your relationship with Christ. And I can share some of my own. Let me let me just give you a few. I'm 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 a blessed man because of my relationship with God. Um, I enjoy a a blessed marriage of nearly 47 years at the time of uh, that I'm producing this video. Um, my wife and I will have been married 47 years in a few months, and uh, uh, we've had a blessed marriage. And out of that uh, marriage relationship, uh, God has blessed us with three wonderful children. That's because of our relationship with him. And uh, they are in Christ and serving God. And God has blessed me with uh, eight wonderful grandchildren uh, that comes from those three children. Uh, 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 those three children. Um, he's blessed me in my work. My education can be related to Christ. Uh, uh, the work and the ministry that I do can be re- uh, uh, related to my relationship with Christ. The health that I enjoy. Uh, my church family. Um, Christian friends, the very house that I live in, the cars that I drive, my, my joy, my fulfillment, um, my sense of purpose, the understanding of my purpose. All of these things are traced back to my relationship with Christ. And they are some of the blessings that I enjoy on earth because of all of the innumerable, innumerable blessings uh, that accrue to me in the heavenly realm. So whatever God is blessing us, to have in the heavenly realms, it extends over into this earthly realm, and we get to enjoy some of the blessings and benefits um, of knowing Christ. Some of those blessings that are stored up for us, we get to enjoy just a touch of them right here on earth. But the best is yet to come. Now I'm reading verses four through six. Well, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one that he loved. So all of these blessings come to us because of the will of God and through Jesus Christ. He made them possible. God shows us to be in him. And that is to be saved and to become part of his family even before he created the worlds. Think about that. He knew us before he created us. Uh, He chose us to become blameless in his sight even before he created us. So uh, he predestined us to be part of his royal family. God chose us according to his foreknowledge uh, of who uh, would and who would not accept the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. God knew before he created us the choices that we w- would make. Now, he didn't force the choices upon us, but he understood and he knew um, how we would respond to the gospel message when it was presented to us. He knew who who would believe and he knew who would not believe and accept Christ. And uh, But he again, he did not force these choices upon us. It's like uh, uh, being able to plan a uh, a party without uh, with everyone's place prepared because you know who's going to accept the invitation and who's not going to. Now, naturally, as human beings, we don't have access to that kind of knowledge. 
we don't know the future, uh, but God does. And so based on his foreknowledge uh, of who would accept Christ, who would accept the message, who would uh, reject the message, uh, he was able to uh, to plan out our, our future based on that. If, if you had that kind of knowledge, God is omniscient. That is, he knows all things. He knows the the future, and he knows the past. He knows the end from the beginning, the Bible says. Okay, So based on his foreknowledge, he's able to plan out eternity based on his knowledge of who would, who would not accept um, the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel, when it was presented to him. So uh, based on that, he was able to plan out our future. God knows everything about everything. He knows what choices we will make tomorrow and even what choices we're going to make next year. But he doesn't force us to make those choices. That's an important point. And I keep emphasizing that because that, uh, I, I see that that's, that's difficult for some people to, uh, to separate the, the, the idea or to, to dis, distinguish between God knowing what's going to happen and God forcing the issue. Um, he knows who's going to accept and who's going to reject, but he doesn't force those choices. Based on his foreknowledge, he's able to plan out our future, our eternity, um, knowing those who will obey the gospel. He has written out the, uh, our names in heaven, and he prepared abundant life here on earth, and he has blessed us eternally with eternal life in heaven based on the fact of what he knows before it happens. God wants everybody to be saved. Let's understand that. But the choice is ours to make by faith in Jesus Christ. The only way to be saved is to put our faith in Jesus Christ and our trust in him and, and to follow him. The Bible says this, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed but he wants everyone to repent. Now that's in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, the New Living Translation. Peter is explaining here that the reason the Lord has delayed his return uh, to bring judgment uh, and to destroy the wicked is because he's extending time for them to repent because he doesn't want anyone to perish. Sometimes we pray, Lord, that, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Uh, I know that I pray, Lord, uh, um, come and, and take over this, this corrupt world and rule it in righteousness and bring forth your kingdom of righteousness upon the earth. Uh, but God isn't quick to come because uh, he is waiting and giving people opportunity to repent of their sins. He doesn't want any um, to perish. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that's John 3.16. So God makes his appeal to everyone. He wants everyone to be saved. But of course, everyone will not be saved because there are those who, who will refuse the, to accept Christ when they hear the gospel message. Now, I understand the Calvinistic position on predestination. Um, they believe that some people are predestined to heaven. Some people are predestined 
to go to hell and that that God chooses to save some and he chooses not to save others. Uh, I understand that approach. I understand that set of belief, but I just happen to disagree with the position because there are, there are too many uh, scriptures that contradict that uh, line of reasoning. So I, I don't believe that God predestines anybody to hell. Um, I don't think he forces that on them. Uh, but I believe that God is, is desirous that everyone should repent and be in heaven. Um, of course, he knows that everyone won't, won't do that, but, but he, he, he extends the opportunity for everyone to receive him. So I believe that God sent his son into the world to save everyone, um, anyone, everyone who would believe the gospel and, and, uh, turn to, to, to Jesus Christ and accept him. Uh, I believe that, that God wants them all to be saved, but God knew before we were created who would be, who would accept the, the gospel message and who would not. Now I'm reading verses seven through 10. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Now there's a little bit to unpack here. We are redeemed. That word redeemed means to be bought back. When I was a little boy, um, we used to buy bottle pop. Pop came in these thick uh, pop bottles, and some still do. And now we would drink the drink the pop out of the the bottles, um, and then when we took the bottles back, the store owners would redeem the bottles by giving us two cent for each bottle. Uh, of course, when you when you bought the pop, they added the two cent onto the price of the pop. And, but when you brought the bottles back, they refunded your two cent. They, you were able to, they redeemed those bottles. They bought them back for that two cent. Now, that's what the word redeem means. It means that Jesus Christ came and bought us back. God bought us back by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we were, uh, God's possession, the enemy, because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden, uh, they, they turned everything over to Satan and Satan became, uh, the Bible says, the God of this world. And we were lost under, under Satan's dominion and under his darkness. But the price for our salvation was the precious blood of Jesus Christ, not silver or gold, as Peter says. Uh, we weren't redeemed by corruptible things as silver and gold. But we were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So he bought us, God bought us back with the blood of Jesus. Jesus bought us back by shedding his own blood. And through the sacrifice of his own life on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for our sins and he brought forgiveness for, uh, for, uh, for those sins um, so that we are at peace with God. So now, we who were at enmity with God, we were separated from God because of our sins. We are brought back to God. That's the general mystery that 
that sinful mankind can be reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, offering his son up as a sacrifice to save us was a demonstration of God's deep love and, and his immeasurable grace. Uh, he didn't just give us a tiny bit of his grace uh, and, and his kindness. He richly lavished upon us his grace and his kindness. He gave the sinless, priceless blood of his only begotten son in exchange for our forgiveness and our cleansing. And the Bible says, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? So along with Christ, if God did not withhold his only son, but he gave him up to save us, the most precious thing that he had, he gave it up to save us. Will he not, along with Christ, give us everything else? Of course he will. So we are we are heirs of God and we are joint heirs with Christ. So God has given us all things. And the Bible says all things are yours. So we are joint heirs with Christ and we share uh, in ownership of all things. In verse 9 of our text, Paul says, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. The, that mystery of his will is to save humanity, both Jews and Gentiles, and to make us into one new body of believer, believers with Christ as our head over all creation. Okay? That's the mystery. That's the thing that was, was hidden. And so God revealed it. This, mis this mystery began to be revealed when uh, Christ came and he began to preach and to teach the good news of the kingdom. And it continued with the apostles. And, and now it continues to unfold even today. It's being, it was clarified by the apostles. They're teaching and preaching. Uh, and, and still it, it's being revealed today as we continue to preach and to teach the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ and all that that entails. In verse 10, Paul said that the mystery was to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So that's speaking about the end times. Uh, at the end of the world, God is going to bring all things together He's going to bring all things in, in heaven and, in, in, and on earth together uh, under Christ. He's going to break all, make all things new. So God's ultimate plan is to bring every created thing under Christ, after which everything, even Christ himself, will be brought under the leadership, the headship of God the Father. And the Bible says this in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 24, and 25, and 28. It says this, after, they, after that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all, all his enemies beneath his feet. Then, when all things are under his authority, the Son will be put, put himself under God's authority, so that God who gave his son authority over all things will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. Again, that's 1 Corinthians 15, 24, 25, and, and 28. So 
we see that that God's plan is to bring everything together into one kingdom uh, under Christ first, and then under under God as the head over all things. So that is a future event that's going to be revealed, and we're looking forward to that with great anticipation. Now I'm reading verses 11 through 14. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So um, when we when we become Christians, when we put our faith in Christ, certainly God seals us with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's sort of like a brand that he puts upon us to show his ownership. We were chosen, first the Jews, then the Gentiles. We were predestined according to God's general plan, of course, according to God's foreknowledge, and his general plan to save anyone who would believe in Christ. Christians have a rich inheritance from God because of Christ, and everything works out in accordance to his plan. God is working everything out in accordance to his, his great plan. God started with a, a few people receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ and entering into his inheritance and the news continuously spread until it reached us. God saved us through this gospel message and he identifies us as his own family members. Again, by giving us the Holy Spirit that seals us. It is uh, as a guarantee or a down payment assuring us that he is going to give us everything that he has promised to us. We have the Holy Spirit that seals us, gives us that assurance that he's going to come back and he's going to give us everything he promised. He purchased us again with the blood of Christ to be his own people. Now, since he knew you would believe he planned out the very fine details of your life, including writing down your name in, in the, uh, the land book of life and planning your place at the banquet table, uh, planning your mansion, um, your place in the new Jerusalem and the, and the very position that you would hold in heaven and in the new earth. He's got it all planned out because he knows the ending from the beginning. Now, what God knew before creation, that is, that you would become a believer. It actually happened when you heard the gospel and you responded to the gospel, you accepted Christ. That's when it was all sealed and it was all brought into uh, actuality. So God knew it from the beginning. It was as if it had already happened, but at the time that that you and I received Christ, uh, that's when it was brought into fulfillment. Your place was officially claimed by faith in Christ, and so was my place, and every person who becomes a Christian. Now let's read verses 15 through 17. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, 
I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So as an apostle to the Gentiles, and, and he also preached to the Jewish people, but uh, the ones who responded the most were Gentiles to Paul's preaching. Um, Paul spent a great deal of time praying earnestly for the saints that, that came to Christ under his ministry and the others that, that he came into contact with. He prayed for their growth and he prayed for their development. That's what a, a good pastor does. He prays for the spiritual growth and development of the people. Paul wanted them to have the, the spirit of wisdom and, and revelation because it's through this, this wisdom and this revelation that God gives us that we, we come to know God better. And when we know God better, uh, we receive everything that we need to live a, a good and godly life. The, the better we know God, the better we're able to live. Peter put it this way in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 3. He says, do you want more and more of God's kindness and peace? Then learn to know him better and better. For as you know him better, he will give you through his great power everything you need for living a truly good life. Okay? So as we get to know God better and better, we get everything that we need through that knowledge of him. Grace and peace, the King James says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So it is through our knowledge of God that we tap into the, the goodness of God and the, the grace of God, the peace of God. It comes to us in fuller measure as we become more intimate with God. The better we know him, uh, the more of his grace and his peace and his kindness and his favor is extended to us. So it's important to make it a determination to know God. The Bible says in uh, Matthew chapter six, I believe verse 33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. So as you make it a priority to seek to know God, to get to know him better and better then. He, he will release in your life more and more of his favor, his kindness, and his grace and his goodness. So uh, study God's word, read it, and spend time in prayer, getting to know God, and, and uh, spend time meditating the word of God. And by all means, if you're not a member of a, of a church family, find yourself a good church home and, uh, and join that church and, and get involved in the life of the church because these are things that you need to help you get to know God better and to get closer to God. Now I'm reading verses 18 through 21. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. 
So Paul prayed for us. Of course, the Ephesians, he prayed for them. But by extension, he prayed for us. We were a future generation, of course, at that time. And he's praying for every saint of every generation. And his prayer was that for us to know the hope, that is, the expectation to which he has called us. Uh, we need to understand all the wonderful things that God has planned for us on this earth and in heaven. We need to understand all the ramifications, the wonderful ramifications of our knowing Christ and being being part of him, what all that entails. And, and this will give us a great joy and it will keep us motivated. When we understand more of, of what God has in store for us and of what God has called us to, when we understand our purpose, we can pursue our purpose and we can find fulfillment. When we understand some of the things that God has in store for us here on earth, some of the blessings, he came to give us life and more abundant life here on earth. And he came to give us eternal life in heaven. So as we meditate these things, as we learn these things, as we become more aware of these things, then our, our joy meter rises and and our sense of fulfillment is increased and, and our sense of purpose uh, is increased. Uh, and, and so uh, we're able to function better as the people of God. Paul prayed for us to know how much God loves and values us. God calls us his jewels. In Malachi 3.17, he says, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make, my, I make them my jewels. And that's Malachi again, 317. So God refers us uh, to us as his treasure. He refers to us as his masterpiece. He refers to us as his jewel. So we need to understand the great love of God, the great love that he has for us, and the great value that he places upon us. Imagine that he didn't spare his son. And the Bible says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased God the Father to bruise the son in order to pay for our sins. Uh, the thing that pleased him was not the suffering of the son, but the thing that pleased him was what the suffering accomplished. It paid for our sins and it made it possible for us to be adopted into God's royal family. That's what pleased him. So Paul prayed for us to understand God's incomparably great power for us who believe. So he has great power that works on our behalf. Uh, he is our all-powerful shield and our exceeding great reward. He is able to subdue all things uh, unto himself and uh, recreate, all, recreate all things and, and make them brand new. It is this, this, this same mighty power that he used to raise Jesus Christ up from the dead that same power is working in us. And, and that same power will raise us from the dead should we die before he comes. So this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and it is working in us. Amen. Now I'm reading verses 22 through 23. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. God has made Christ head over all things. 
He has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church, the Bible says. The church is the body of Christ. The church is made full and complete by Christ who fills everything, everywhere with himself. The universe is filled with him and it is filled with his glory and we celebrate the great God of our salvation. Well, that brings us to the end of Ephesians chapter one. We will cover chapter two in our, in our next session. I hope that you've been blessed by the teaching today and I hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Teaching Through the Bible with Dr. Ken Sullivan. We hope this program has benefited you in your Christian walk. For a free download of this program and to browse Dr. Sullivan's books, videos, and audio titles, visit our website at EmergeCurriculum.com. Please tune into our next teaching session on Vision Stream Network or listen on demand from our podcast. 